This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag and indeed.com. Welcome to the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas joined by Aishra Blakely. We are preparing for game three of the NBA Finals. NBA Finals are back in Boston after hiatus. That's exciting. More than a decade. It's a little more, more than, than a hiatus. Decade. <laughs> a little more I try than to be nice about it. Since 2010. So how are we feeling about the Celtics? They're obviously tied in the series right now, one-to-one with the Warriors. What will their response be in game three? Well, it better be better than game two. That's a damn <laughs> shit. That doesn't mean they will win, but it definitely needs to be better. And I think a big part of, of their success is just attitude. I mean, I thought that Golden State, we, we can talk about the physicality that Golden State brought in game two, which was much better than what we saw in game one. But mentally, Golden State punked them. Golden State had a mental edge that they just absolutely sliced and diced the Celtics up with. Uh, and, and obviously, Draymond Green had a lot to do with that. But you start looking at guys like Jordan Poole was kind of feeling himself. He went from being in the kiddie pool to having his own little splash party in game two. And you, you start looking at, you know, they got Gary Payton, uh, you know, the third back. And you start going down the line of their role players. And for the most part, they all gave them a major lift similar to what the Celtics got from their role players in game one. So I definitely expect a better game by the, by the Celtics. And I, I do expect the Celtics to win game three. It's very consistent what they what they've been able to do in the playoffs. And I, I just think that this series is really going to be more like a tennis match than a basketball game, where both teams are kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And if you're the Celtics, you just hope at the end of the day that you're the last team standing. Uh, but this yeah. is what you got to do if you're trying to mm-hmm. knock, the, knock off the champ. And even though they're not the defending champ, if you're talking about the best teams of this decade or the last decade plus, it's the Golden State Warriors. So mm-hmm. um, I'm looking you forward to this- game three. Yeah, the Celtics need to come correct, and one person that definitely needs to do that is Tatum. His shooting has not been to the level of expectation. Do you think the pressure is too much in the sense of the way we talk about how he needs to be the superstar, or is there just something off overall? I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think you you look at the Golden State Warriors and how they're defending him, and they are, I believe they are taking a page out of the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks playbook. It seems that undersized, strong, bullish guards, uh, are they give Tatum some problems. Tatum's not as comfortable. Like, you look at Wesley Matthews uh, in Milwaukee. You look at Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo in Miami. And now you're, you're, you're looking at guys like Gary Payton, uh, who, who is, is giving him some fists. Guys, like, guys that typically are not necessarily, other than Payton, Payton's an, a great defender, but those other guys were pretty average. Maybe, maybe with Victor, maybe slightly above average. But Tatum doesn't seem to be comfortable with, with, when he's being guarded by those guys. So the Celtics, I think they got they need to do a, a better job of, of play up matchup hunting against this Golden State team and finding the matchups that work best for Tatum. But certainly the undersized guard, that's part of it. And the other part of it is just Tatum, and we've seen this, he goes through these stretches where he just can't make shots. And it's not even anything the defense is doing per se. It's just that he's just not into a flow of rhythm. I think he will be in a rhythm in game three. I, I think game three is probably, I think game three is going to be his best game of the series uh, up to this point. He has not shot the ball well in either games one or two, but at least in game one, he had 13 assists, which was the most assist for any player in NBA history, you know, in their very first NBA finals game. So he had that going for him. 
Uh, but I do think Tatum is going to be a little more aggressive offensively, look for his shot more, and I think we'll see it go down with a little bit more consistency than we saw in games one and two. Yeah, I heard this quote from Colin Coward, and I know a lot of the media pundits like to just say things to say things, but I want to hear what you think about this. He said Jason Tatum is a star with a role player's confidence, which I I do agree to an extent because there has been this level of him not elevating to the point of the superstar that he's supposed to be for this Boston Celtics team. But I don't think the confidence isn't there. The way he talks in postgame, he's very reflective on the fact that they have been turning over the ball a lot and not, you know, he hasn't been making shots the way he wants to. I don't necessarily agree with the quote fully, but I just wanted to hear if, what do you think about it? I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, to say the least. I don't think confidence is, is Tatum's issue. I, I think he's got plenty of that and then some to work with. I think for him, it's just a matter of really embracing who his identity is as a player. I, I think he has struggled in figuring out exactly what is his identity. Uh, yeah. I think ultimately when all is said and done, Tatum is going to be an elite two-way player. Uh, when you look at his length, you look at his versatility, you look at his lateral quickness, you look at his ability to score uh, at all levels. He has all the ingredients of being an exceptional two-way talented player. Uh, and, and defensively, I know he doesn't get a ton of credit for what he does defensively. If you watch him play more times than not, he's in pretty damn good position. Uh, he'll have his lapses where he'll just be in the middle of nowhere mentally and just be out of position. But for the most part, Tatum's a good defender. And I think he, for him, the next level is becoming a great defender. And that means bringing it at that end of the floor, night in and night out, which is hard to do when you, so much of the attention offensively is paid to what you can do and specifically what you can create for others. So I'm, I'm, I think Tatum confidence wise is in good shape. I don't, that's like one of the least concerns I have with him. And I think, frankly, I think it's one of the least concerns Tatum has with himself. Um, confidence is not an issue. Consistency and understanding who he is, what's his identity. I think those are bigger issues. So I want to address two more big highlighted issues for the Celtics in game two, the turnovers. Mm. What do we make of them? How do the Celtics protect the ball more? Woo. And the, the, word, the crazy part about them and them damn turnovers is that so many of them were, weren't forced. So many of them were just like them literally shooting themselves in the foot. And that in theory, it's easy to clean up because it's just literally a matter of you just putting a little bit closer attention to detail to what you're doing and you don't turn the ball over that much. But it's disturbing when you give up that many damn points. Uh, 33 points off of turnovers. You know, I mean, they, so that means that they scored 74. You, you gave up 74 points by your defense, which most times is going to be enough. And, and it, as far as points off turnovers, 15 is, is kind of a, a ballpark number that you're looking to give up. So basically... They, in theory, in, in theory, held this team to less than 90 points if you throw in a typical turnover, points off turnover game and what they actually scored. And that more times than not is going to be enough to win. And, and that's why I'm not nearly as concerned about them going in game three as I think a lot of people are, because it's, it's just it's really simple. If you keep the unforced turnovers, because Golden State is going to force you to make some, but it's the ones that they don't force you to make that you make are the killers. And if they can keep those down, I think the Celtics have a very, very good chance of going up 2-1 in this series with a chance to really put Golden State up against the wall in game four. The final, I think, bigger concern is the fact that the bench wasn't very productive in game two. Total of six points, uh, sorry, not the bench, the starters, 
were a total of six points, but the bench was, I, I wouldn't say they were that productive as well, but overall, are we concerned about the fact that Al, Rob, and Smart were not able to help Jalen and Jason? Yeah, that's that's really bad. When when outside of your two J's, you got six points. You got six points more than you and I scored. That's I could have scored six, I think. No, you couldn't. <laughs> Put me at the line. Put me at the line. I could get you. Maybe six. for the free throw line, you might you might get yes. six. But uh, but yeah, I mean, when you when you have three of your five starters only score six points total, and previously they had combined in game one for like fifty eight points. So there's a dramatic difference, and you don't expect them to necessarily score at the same clip they did in game one. But you expect more than some damn six points. I mean, you mm. should be getting more than six points in a quarter from from those guys combined, let alone a game. So there, I, I think there is some concern about that if you're the Boston Celtics, uh, because it's it's just not normal. We're, we're three fifths of your starting lineup has that type of game offensively. But the thing about the Celtics is they've shown the ability and a certain resiliency to bounce back and bounce back emphatically. And and again, I, I anticipate in game three, that they will be a much better team than what we mm. saw in game two. Uh, and, and I do believe, like, again, I think they're going to play well enough to win game game three. Now, after that, it gets a little interesting. <laughs> but with Rob, I do want to talk about him a little bit more. He's been on the injury report every game. He ends up being available right before a tip. But is should Celtics fans be concerned about the fact that he's clearly playing through a lot of pain right now? Yeah, I, I think they do. I, and I, I'm concerned about Rob because the pain that he's dealing with is keeping him, not only does it keeping him off the floor at times, but it's also when he is on the floor, it's hard for him to get a rhythm. Uh, and, and and even though you don't have to give him a bunch of touches to be in, to be impactful, if he's a little bit unsure uh, of, of what he needs to do, he's not going to be playing above the rim as well as he, he should. Uh, he's not going to be posting up guys and, and, and beasting you know, little guards that Golden State has the way he should. He's going to be a little bit, you know, I, I think timid and and, and intrepid in, in, in his actions, and that's that's not good. I think at some point, un, unless he makes significant improvement, they have to think long and hard about sitting him for a game or so and going with you know Al and Tice uh, and just and, and just kind of let it rock and roll like that. But the Celtics, they definitely have some decisions to make as far as who to play, when to play, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, because right now, even though the series is tied up and they're back in their building, they have no reason to be comfortable or confident that what they are doing is necessarily going to work as it is drawn up at this point. So, hey there. We got a little Gary Washburn sighting in the building. What's up, G? Thanks for joining us, Gary. We were just talking about Robert Williams and the fact that he's been available right before tip of every game. Do you think there should be concern about the fact that he's clearly injured right now no because it sounds like he's not making any worse and you're just going to run him out there until he's not useful anymore I think that's just the way it's going to be for the entire series I mean if he plays 19 to 20 minutes but he seems to be responding to the rest but obviously after prolonged stretches and I think you know he had a um, collision with Marcus Smart um in game two, and he's and he may say he's a little scared, but it didn't do any more damage and it didn't cause any really any more pain. So, I mean, this is the Robert Williams they're gonna get. I mean, now I don't think he's gonna get any healthier during the playoffs. And would they rest him for a game to give him make him well for another or something, or would they give him 
play them games three and four, but then rest them for game five to get them ready for game six. I mean, you know, that's yet to be determined. But as far as what they say and I'm hearing is that he's okay and that essentially this is this is what they're going to get. Yeah, this is what they're going to get. I'm 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 really nervous about Rob uh because if it, it feels like groundhog's day with him where he goes out there, he plays well for a few minutes, he something happens where he's in pain, he goes back to the bench and then we're on pins and needles for the next 24 or 48, 72 hours, wondering if he's going to play or not. Um, and it, all indications that rest is what he needs. Uh, that ain't what he's going to get. Uh, even when he has a few days off, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's nearly enough to kind of fully power him up to being the player he is uh, capable of being. But look, the bottom, th- bottom line with Rob is that he's out there trying to go to work and one of our good friends, Indeed.com, is all about helping you go to work. No one that? has a business like yours. You like that corny, huh? Yeah, okay, I see it. Okay. Gary likes it too. He just don't want to. He just don't want to show me no love. Uh, but Indeed.com does have love for your boy, and I have love for them. No one has a business like yours with all its strengths and challenges to succeed. You need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills. Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. And as someone who has been using Indeed.com for a really long time, I can tell you it's an amazing partner to have when you're trying to get a feel for the job landscape, what jobs are out there. And for companies who are looking to hire, you don't want to waste your time just looking at resume after resume. Indeed takes a lot of the guesswork out of the process so that you can get people to get to work. So Indeed.com. Come and don't forget that start hiring now. You get a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash a list. That's indeed.com slash a list. Claim your $75 credit now at once again indeed.com slash a list. Indeed is again, love them, great partner. That's that's my teammate. That's my teammate, y'all. So you got, yeah, you're right. Indeed is our teammate. One person you talk about work and jobs takes their jobs too seriously. Draymond Green. He has a podcast now, and I feel as though the content that he's creating on the floor is really just content he creates for his podcast. But as you both know, and I'm sure the fans know as well, he's been making some moves and saying some things that are not sitting well with the Celtics organization overall. Do you think this is just a mind game? Is Draymond Green just playing the mental aspect of the game of trying to get into their heads? I love to hear what Gary's got to say. <laughs> I mean, I think he's, I think that he's trying to, he's just being Draymond. He talks trash. I think that this is something for years. I think it's been, been kind of simmering. Like, are Jalen and Jason tough enough to defend themselves like you know 
something concerned me about what Jason said after game two, like about we asked about Draymond. Jalen was visibly pissed about what happened. Jason was more like, well, that's what I like about him. Like, no, man, it's the finals. Like, I don't want to hear no, like, oh, he's a great teammate or we played it. This ain't Team USA. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Like, if he's in your face, you need to get him his face. And Jason is going to be tested over the years because of his status, because of the fact that he's a top five, quote unquote, player, all NBA first team player. And he can't be Mr. Nice Guy out there. People ain't out there just trying to hoop. People are going to try to get in your heads. I think, I think Draymond knew and knows, and I'm sure the words, like the Celtics are not soft, but they're definitely not hard. They're definitely not tough, right? Like who was their enforcer? Like with the Heat, you know, you probably say Jimmy Butler, right? Even though he's your star, um, you know, they had Bobby Portis in Milwaukee or, you know, their forcer was P.J. Tucker in Miami. Like, is it smart? Okay, like, is smart the guy? The question is, they got to get stand up and get tougher, you know, and it's got to start now. You get, You can't let... Draymond get all up in your head talking mess and trash and pushing dudes around if you got to get a tech as Ime said today if it were me as a player I would have gotten a double tech you got to send a message like dude we're not put, no we're, we're not going to thug up this series it's not going to be the 90s we're not going to make this all extra physical and we're not going to do all that you know and we'll see, we'll see what happens in terms of the game being officiated how it is officiated they're going to let Draymond get away with that. If Draymond is going to try some, some of the same tricks he did in game two, but they've got to step up and be tougher. Like they're not kids anymore. And it's Jason too. Like Jason's a nice guy. He's a, he doesn't talk much. I get that. You don't have to be like, you don't have to t- tell everybody how great you are and talk mess on the court. But when someone confronts you, you got to be like, dude, you need to get up that up off my face. Like I ain't playing that. Like, defend yourself. I'm not talking about Jason needs to be an enforcer. Jason needs to be talking the mess first. But when they get in your grill, you know, it's don't be so nice. And Jason, oh, you know, that's that's just Draymond. Like, no, hell no. Like, this is the finals. You can see when Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas, and this is obviously 30 years ago, they were best friends, kissing each other on the cheek. Then we got to the game. It was hard, fat, like friendship, friendship, Team USA teammates. That's my boy. No, no, no. This is where it counts. This is the championship. Like play, like it means everything to you. And Mm. that's what the Celtics need to do for the next five games. I mean, play like it means everything. Quit being pushed. Don't be pushed around. And it's not like the Warriors got a bunch of thugs. It's just Draymond, okay? Don't let Draymond draw fouls, dictate the game, all that he did in the first quarter. Like, push him back, you know? And, and they didn't. And then, you know, Jalen sort of did, but Jalen got psyched out by that second foul on Gary Payton. It was never the same. You know, Jason wants to play Mr. Nice Guy too much. He just wants the ball. That's great. We all just want a ball. When someone gets in your face, you've got to defend yourself. I mean, someone comes up and says something about you or one of your family members 
you don't want that to happen, but you've got to turn around and be like, excuse me, what did you just say? Like, you can't be like, well, let's just not do any, let's not, hopefully he won't say anything else. No, like there's certain times where you got to step up and be grown, big grown man. This is a big grown man series. The Warriors just let them know that in game two. Yeah, this is uh, – Dray- Draymond has, you know, I don't know whether he rented space or whether he bought uh, space in their heads, but he's in there. He is definitely in their heads. Got a and house and everything. Exactly. Got a house, lawn, you know, two and a half kids, dog, you know, not, not the whole shebang. But the, 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 here's the thing about Draymond, and, and it, it, there's, a, there's a certain um, – you got to understand that Draymond, this is, you know, the, the anger that he expresses and, and the way that he's able to get under skins, it is 100% calculated. It's 100% him focused in on what can I do to get a mental edge and advantage over this team? And because Draymond knows that if you, if you're, if it becomes a game of skill, he's not going to do well against the Celtics or any team. So what can he do to tilt the, the, the balance of power in his favor? And it's mental warfare. He comes at guys like no one else does. You know, this, the whole brouhaha with, with, with uh, Jalen where he grabbed his shorts, had his feet on, on his chest, um, you know, gave Jalen a little, little push in the back. All that stuff is part of the, pre- is the plan. That's the plan. The plan is to frustrate you. And to me, the Celtics have to realize when Draymond picks up that first tech, you need to put the onus on the officials to make a call. Like if he gets in your face, you get up in his grill, like nose to nose, dare him to do something to you. Because at that point, the officials, you got one, you got one or two choices. You either look like bigger punks than you are and don't call anything, or you actually follow the rule book that you are supposed to be enforcing in the game. That was with a lot of the frustration. I think a lot of people had with game two, I did not have an issue with the physicality that Golden State brought to the game. In fact, I enjoyed it. I love the fact that guys were getting smacked around both sides of the court. But yeah. there are certain moments in the game where Draymond crosses that line and it's obvious to anyone and everyone who watches. And these officials act that because he picked up an early tech, we can't do anything about it. So in other words, he owned you, NBA. He's, he's basically, he's giving you the middle finger to your rule book saying, I'm going to pick up a tech and then I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to after I pick up that tech. And you're not going to do nothing about it, punks. I mean, he, I mean, he's literally mean mugging, mushing the face of the NBA after he picks up the tech. Like, you're not going to do nothing to me, boy. And the Celtics are looking at this like, and y'all calling us for like a reaching file? Y'all calling yeah. us for like a, and he's, he's literally mushing you all game. At some point, there's going to be an official in this in this series who's going to catch so much heat because he's going to he's actually going to enforce the rules. We saw that with with Porzingis, I believe it was last year, where he picked up a a second tech for just simply making a motion with you know, a little air fist after he didn't agree with the call. It was his second tech, and you're thinking around like he got thrown out for for literally not hurting anyone, not directing his anger at anyone other than just air. And Draymond puts his feet in Jalen's chest, gives him a nudge in the back, and then yanks on the shorts. And, and, but that's, that's a common foul? What the hell is that common? Jerry Tell me the asked who that's the there was for the Celtics, and Scott Foster is that guy for the league. So best believe he going to be well, put in there. Him or Tony Brothers. Well, well, well Zach, Zach, Zach Zara is, 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 is coming. 
He, he, he's he, that Scott Foster she, she can't be hot forever. Um, but the, the, and the, the other thing too, I hate about the, all this is that we we spend more time talking about officiating than I ever liked it because I it's I still think the Celtics based on the way they play would have lost game two. But you cannot look at that game from a from a big picture standpoint and not recognize the fact that there was a, a definite. Uh, not just a discrepancy, but just an, an, an inequality about the way it was officiated. They let things slide that they normally don't. Um, it, it wasn't they missed the call. They just chose not to make the call. There's a difference between missing a call and just deliberately choosing not to make a call. And they were, they're guilty of that. There's no doubt about that. So anyway, I don't want to talk about officiating more, damn it. Yeah, we're good. No more officiating until something happens next game where we have to talk about it. But before we prepare for that next game, we do have to give some love to betterline.ag. For your preparation, you can log on and use our promo code CLNS50, place a bet on the game, plus a friendly wager with one of your friends. But they have the NBA Finals, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, the Major League Baseball scores, and every other sport you can imagine really is on betterline.ag. They're your number one and continued source for all your sports wagering information. CLNS50, you'll get a 50% bonus. Welcome bonus if you use our code. And if you haven't used it already, I mean, what are you waiting for? This is the NBA Finals. This is the perfect time to do it. The Celtics are back in the NBA Finals. So bet online, head there. That's where the games start. Let's look ahead to game three. Steph Curry and his scoring and his defense. Let's just look at Steph Curry's game for a second. How has he improved from the last time the Warriors were in the finals and why should the Celtics maybe be a little more concerned or less concerned? Well, <laughs> he put away the easy pass on defense. So that's, that's a start uh, because yeah. everyone seemed to have the easy pass going through his, going through him really in game one. It really He's not improved in that area. Yeah. For, for But I thought he, I thought he gave great effort in game two. I thought he made things, uh, I wouldn't say difficult, but he did not leave guys as wide open as we saw him in game one. And so that's a definite positive. But at the end of the day, he gets buckets, point blank, pure and simple. That's what he does. That's why he's a two-time MVP. That's why he's one of the, arguably the greatest shooter in NBA history. And when a guy is that dynamic a player, you have to just really mix up your coverage. You can't just give him a steady diet of Marcus Smart or a steady diet of Jalen Brown. You got to throw in a little Peyton Pritchard every now and then. You got to throw in a little, you know, Jason Tatum from time to time. You, you have to try your best to keep him from getting into any kind of comfort zone, which is, again, easier said than done. But, I, you know, Steph, uh, he's going to get his points. You just want to make him be as inefficient as possible. And I think the Celtics, for the most part, have been able to do that in games one and two. I think that the uh, Celtics would take 29 points on 21 shots as he did in game two. I don't, I thought he was good in game two, but I don't think he was like amazing. I mean, you're not going to stop him. He's going to get his 25 to 30 points minimum unless he just has a really off shooting night. So your, your responsibility is to one, make it tough on him Two, I don't think that they've done nearly as much in his dribble penetration. He's either, creating shots on his own or he's setting up Kevon Looney at the rim uh, for easy layups. Like he's literally just kind of doing whatever he wants when he dribbles. The three point line has been content. He's taken some, he's made some contested ones. They've had some slip ups on coverage, you know, some communication lapses with their switches. Um, sometimes they're playing that 
drop coverage, but it's, you know, he was five for 12 from three. You know what? That's okay. Like, you know, you'll take that from Steph because he can go 10 of 12. It's the dribble penetration. And then he's either got someone on his hip or he's taking Robert Williams and the Robert Williams completely leaves his man alone. And there's Looney for a layup. I think they have to eliminate the easy points for the Warriors. The uh, what's the, uh, the European guy? Gujalika came in, played like eight minutes, had two layups because of defensive lapses. Kavon Looney, he doesn't shoot the, a hook. He's more he's more offensively limited than Robert is, right? So all of his and Robert's not has doesn't have much of an offensive game at all besides dunks and layups. So Kavon Looney has scored all at the rim. He was like six for six. It's all at the rim. So you can't give up eight, 10 layups. That, that's that's the, the, the fundamental problem. You can't give up all these damn layups and expect to win the game. If they hit threes, or if you have that little uh, flurry from Jordan Poole, you know what, tip your cap because that kind of stuff does happen. And, you know, Jordan Poole is going to hit threes. He's a, he's a, he's a good a solid shooter. He's not a great defensive player, but if you're the Celtics, you can't let, here it is, Kevon Looney, six for six from the field in game two. Um, Bijalika, three for four. I mean, that's, 12, that's, that's 18 points from two guys you don't expect offense from. Gary Payton Jr., three for three. You know what I'm saying? Poole, yeah, he had 17 points on 14 shots. You'll take that. He had five threes. Some of them were, you know, um, garbage time, late. You know, I didn't think he had a good first half. He had a good third quarter. But, you know, Curry, Curry was nine for 21, five for 12. You know, he had 29. He was a plus 24. So, obviously, he's doing work when he's on the floor, and they, they blew him out. But to me, what bothers me the most is six for six for Mooney, three for four from B. Jalika and three for three from Gary Payton Jr. So that is, let me do my math here, 12 for 13 from three guys that you don't expect from. So it's sort of like the flip side of game one for the Celtics. Those guys can't go three, 12 for 13 and you expect to win. I mean, they can't hit 12 shots combined. The Warriors hit 39 shots in the game. 12 were from those three guys. So the, they have to be giddy because Clay was four for 19. Wiggins was four for 12. Draymond two for three, although he went to the free throw line seven times. I mean, you can't, you can't foul Draymond. You can't let Draymond put three, four, five fouls in a quarter on you. It's Draymond, not Jimmy Butler, not guys who get to the line. So their whole thing, their, to me, their whole – their whole game plan, their whole approach was terrible in game two. They didn't defend well enough, nearly well enough. I said, one player over 20 points, and that was Curry. Okay, you'll take, I would take 29 points from Curry on 21 shots. It's just the other guys. You cannot let 12 for 13 from the field, all them layups, except Gary Payton Jr. hit that one three. Like, that's, that's terrible defense. That can't happen in game three. With that being said, who do you both think will be the X factor for the Warriors in game three? 
to me, I think it's to me, I think it's clay. Well, I mean, you I don't know how like I'm fascinated to see how Poole does in the environment on the road because he's a he's a young guy, his first finals. Will he step up and be that number two option? And then is Clay gonna break out of his slump or is this who he is? I think everyone's kind of waiting for Clay to have that 10 for 13 game and six threes. And you don't want that if you're a Celtic fan, obviously, and then him and Curry going on, and then you got the Splash Brothers back together. I think the Celtics, I think to me, it's Poole and it's also Thompson. Um, Wiggins is going to be Wiggins. I don't, I, I, you know, Draymond, I don't think will have the offensive impact he had in game two. But as I said before, it's Thompson is the X factor to me. But the other guys, you can't let Looney go six for six. Like that just can't happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I when I look at this Warriors team, I, to me, it's it's it has to be Clay. Uh, you're, you're talking about an elite two-way player who is not elite at either end of the floor right now. I mean, he he's I mean, the shots that he's missing are just what the hell happened to Clay kind of shots. I mean, layups, wide open threes, drives to the basket, and he's not just like missing rim in rim out. These are he's missing bad. I mean, it, it, it's. He looks like a non-shooter who's trying to shoot, and that's something that I thought I'd never say about Clay. Uh, that being said, we know that the ability to knock down shots in a flurry is within him. We've seen him do that uh, time and time again, and that is something that if you're the Celtics, you have to be concerned about. You have to continue to make it so that he does not get comfortable. Uh, and again, that's easier said than done, particularly when you're talking about an all-star like Clay who has distinguished himself as being a very, very, very good two-way player. But offensively, he's been crap in this series. Defensively, he's been pretty good. Uh, but his offense has been so ridiculously bad um, that, you know, it, 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 I mean, he's making the struggles of Jason Tatum look pretty damn palatable. Um, and then that's – if Golden State – if they have any shot of regaining home court advantage, either with winning game three or four, they're going to need to get a little bit more juice out of clay. Uh, they're going to need him to be more impactful than what we've seen because the clay that we see now is not helping any team unless that team is trying to get to the lottery. Uh, he ain't helping you win because he's not knocking down the shots that he is supposed to knock down. Well, at this point, all we can do is wait for game three. At this point, it's almost hours away. So I think we wait and see. We see what goes down for the Celtics and Warriors at the TD Garden, which they've proven that the TD Garden is no longer a home advantage. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Facts. Facts. Yeah. So for Aisha Blakely, Gary Washburn, that's the A-List podcast, the preview of game three. We'll be back. Hopefully, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see how the series goes. <laughs> yes, we will. Another shout out to our people, ND.com and betonline.ag. And let's and go to work, work, y'all. <laughs> let's go to work. <laughs> <laughs>